So what was that um, internet controversy a few years ago? Is the dress uh, green or is it black or what was that? So is the choice blue? Okay, well, there, we have our own version of that going on this morning, which is the color of, of my sweater. Is this green? Is it blue? Uh, 9.30 wasn't, uh, couldn't really come to a firm conclusion. Uh, all answers are acceptable. And um, the reason I bring this up is because three people before the 9.30 a.m. service said, oh, you're wearing green today to honor the Eagles. Uh, no, I am not. <laughs> and um, my team won three games this past year. So uh, <laughs> you don't have to really be sorry if you're not. Um, congratulations to the Eagles fans. I'll just be gracious. Uh, <laughs> so um, this is my friend Lauren. If you put up that slide. This is my friend Lauren and her daughter Charlotte, and this is from a Facebook post she put up last October 14th. Mommy's little research assistant, she participated in this study and expected co-authorship. <laughs> There's only slight overstatement in what she wrote, because my friend Lauren is a developmental psychologist. She researches the use of uh, symbols and representational objects, and particularly the effects of digital media on children, on their cognitive and social emotional development. And so Charlotte actually participates at times in her studies. Uh, what I love so much about Lauren and her husband Steve and Charlotte is that they've really invited uh, Teresa and myself, even though we live a good hour and a half away from them, really invited us into an active part of their family. And so we've really been able to see Charlotte grow up. She's going to turn four uh, this coming March. And as a developmental psychologist, Lauren is also one of the people I go to in my current course of study when I come upon a, an idea, a concept in human development that I don't know very much about, and I will offer uh, to her a probably not terribly well-informed question, and she will bring something like wisdom out of it to help me uh, learn and assimilate new information. Now, she does this not just through... Uh, sharing information with me, but actually through the way she parents. I want to say it was last September, beautiful uh, mid-September day, and I had just started this current course of study, and I was taking a human growth and development course. And my wife, Teresa, and I were with Lauren and Steve, and Charlotte was just about 18 months at this point. And it was a beautiful playground hundreds of yards each way towards the nearest street, so very safe, very secure kind of place. And uh, Charlotte started doing this uh, thing on her beautiful little pudgy uh, toddler legs of recognizing she was done with the swings and she was done with the jungle gym, and she just started walking off. Started walking off, and she kept looking back at Lauren and Steve and at us, and she just would go a little bit further Keep looking back. Just a little bit further. He gave away my punchline, guys. <laughs> and as Charlotte was doing this, I turned to Lauren, and I asked in the form of a question, circle of security? Yes, circle of security. It's a developmental teaching. 
that Charlotte and her parents were enacting right in that moment. Circle of security says there's a secure base, or ideally there's a secure base for a child to leave, to go out into the world, to have their exploration supported, and because it is a circle, to have the opportunity to be welcomed back home. What I love about what Charlotte did is she reached a point, not that far out, um, but for whatever reason, she couldn't articulate at the time, she came sprinting back to her parents, (laughs) and they welcomed her back with open arms. Now, no parents or child does this circle of security perfectly, and some of us were born into families in which the circle of security was actually... uh, If it was a circle at all, it was a circle of insecurity, or that security broke down. What I love about this teaching, which is really an observation of who we are as human beings, and what Charlotte and her parents were enacting is this, that our very openness and engagement with the world, our capacity to be open, first arises because we experience refuge. Someone welcoming us home. Now, this changes form all throughout our life course, but I believe it remains true in ways that sometimes as adults we don't often acknowledge. I want to tell you one time in my life where I really acknowledged because I felt it in my body. It was this, which some of you have seen on Facebook. That is me on Outward Bound, uh, October of 2011. I am about, eh, as I remember it, This might be a fishtail, so maybe 50 to 70, maybe 90 feet off the ground. Uh, High enough off the ground, leaning back with all my weight. If I were to fall, I would have been in trouble. And I got to tell you, this was on a rock on top of a mountain that had an elevation about three or 4,000 feet. So I had this beautiful vista that I was looking out on. And I was leaning back against that rock out into space with all of my weight. I was happy. I was ecstatic. It was the end of the course. It was a transformational week. And, of course, I was only able to experience that. Why? Because someone else was holding the other end of the rope. (laughs) Not the people taking the picture, right? (laughs) Or I would not have been so happy. (laughs) It's a reminder for me to continue to hold this, this intention at the core of my life, as we speak about here at Wellsprings, in one of our core beliefs, we said our freedom reaches its fulfillment in connection with each other. Our freedom reaches its fulfillment in connection with each other. And I believe that is true because actually all freedom, whether we received it in childhood, whether we're still learning it today, whether the community here is a source of refuge, our freedom reaches our fulfillment with each other because our freedom, a responsible, flourishing freedom, not a reactive freedom, It arises from each other, together. That's why the dedication that we just did matters so much. Because, yes, it is a reminder of who this amazing little baby is and also who we are together in community. That we find ourselves and become ourselves in relationship. Hopefully the kinds of relationships that we spoke of in our aspirations today kind of aspirations and relationship that I think of on this day before the observation of King Day, of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Every week at Wellsprings, we use a reading from Thich Nhat Hanh. And if you put up that next slide, 
I love this statue of the two of them. They were friends. They influenced each other during life. And actually, Dr. King, having won a Nobel Prize, nominated his friend Thich Nhat Hanh for the Nobel Prize. I think it was in 1969. Actually, no, that wouldn't be true because, unfortunately, he was already killed. It may have been 1967. I need to go look that up. What I love is at times when you read and hear the words of each of these teachers, they actually can be almost be interchangeable with each other. On the last Christmas Eve that Dr. King was alive, he offered these words, which if you didn't know Dr. King wrote them, you might think Thich Nhat Hanh did. It really, really boils down to this, Dr. King wrote, that all life is interrelated. We are all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied together in a single garment of destiny. What affects one directly affects all indirectly. We are made to live together because of the interrelated structure of reality. He goes on in this sermon of his to say, if we're really awake and aware when we wake up in the morning and we notice how we are able to wash or bathe ourselves or what we're eating, we will notice that we are already in connection with more than half the world. People from Africa and from the Caribbean and people from different parts of the United States. He says, before you finished eating breakfast in the morning, you've depended on more than half the world. This is the way our universe is structured. This is the interrelated quality of all things. And then these final words, which I hope land with us powerfully today. We aren't going to have peace on earth until we recognize the basic fact of the interrelated structure of all of life. We aren't going to have peace until we recognize the interrelated structure of all of life. On this day, before the day of honoring Dr. King's life, in which we recognize how easy it is to turn a prophet into a simple uh, symbol and to sanitize that prophet and to lose what is most challenging about his teaching. This teaching he offers us from Christmas Eve 1967 is challenging. And I hope it guides us right now. I really hope it guides us as a community right now. I, like many of you, perhaps all of you, was profoundly troubled this past week by the words our president spoke. Now, if you've been here before, you know that I do not mind uh, saying a curse word every now and again, (laughs) but I'm not going to repeat what the president said. You probably know it already. Um, Not because it was vulgarity, but because it was a moral and ethical vulgarity. And yes, I understand it was in the course of a conversation about immigration. And, you know, just as open hearts need healthy boundaries, countries need healthy boundaries too. But healthy is entirely different from harsh and punitive and racist. I remember that it was two years ago this very morning when actually I I didn't make it to Wellsprings. (laughs) Um, I was at home still sleeping because the night before, Uh, I arrived back with a group of people who had been in the country of Haiti on a service trip. And actually, some folks from that trip did decide to show up even after getting in at 3.30 in the morning and came here and lit the chalice that next morning here at Wellsprings. And I got to tell you, that trip was uh, an experience of profound humility and a reminder of all that I do not know. And I am still wrapping my minds around the meaning of that service trip in this country that has experienced such incredible suffering over the years, and it's not a suffering that arises out of thin air. 
It's a suffering and a struggle that arises out of the exploitation of that small island nation by nations such as the U.S. And so on this day, today, I think of those people in Haiti who welcomed us in with such amazing hospitality on that service trip two years ago. And I reflect that the hospitality they offered us, we did nothing at all to deserve, not given the history of our two countries. And so if I could be with them again today, I would ask their forgiveness. I would apologize to them. And not take it on faith that they would believe me because the president of this country spoke of them as he did. I believe that this is a time right now to really remind ourselves who Dr. King was and what his vision for our society was and still could be and should be. It is grounded in Dr. King's own words of maintaining that strength to love, to keep the heart open to what is already here in the heart if we will just look inside and see that what is inside is also outside and that the universe is with me and we are interrelated with it and it is not separate from us and we are all involved in the co-creation of this life together. This is a truth that if we let it will crack our hearts open and lead us into deeper connection and kinship with all of life itself. This is why our freedom finds fulfillment with one another and it will change what we mean by the words freedom and security which so often are used as opposites. And if we believe what Dr. King said, we will understand that real freedom and real security only arise together if they are going to give us either of both. It recasts what our lives mean, not just in our public lives, but our personal lives as well too. I do some coaching, as some of you know, and uh, I'd say the uh, most basic coaching question, and actually kind of a, a stereotypical, if not a cliched, coaching question is this one, which maybe you've been asked at some kind of you know, career or personal values review that you've done in your life. Uh, if you knew you could not fail, what would you do? If you knew you could not fail, what would you do with your life? I got to tell you, I don't ask that question anymore, not because it's a bad or wrong question. I just think it's too individualistic. <laughs> and because the truth is, um, I, just speaking for me, I have learned the most from the things I have failed most spectacularly at in my life. I hope I will fail and I hope I'll learn from it. So I don't ask that question. What would you do if you knew you could not fail? I think there's a deeper question that I have started to ask. And it's one that's grounded in our universalist teaching. If you knew you'd always be loved, what would you do? If you knew that you had that circle of security, who would you be? If you knew there was always refuge, who would you become? This is not an invitation to laziness. Those who think that are actually grounded in a sense of original sin, <laughs> that we're born broken. And you all saw the way we blessed this baby right here. This is not our tradition. We believe that this original goodness is not a lazy thing. It's something that requires cultivation every day we live. And it is a promise with inside each and every one of us. We become free because of the refuge that we receive and the refuge that we honor and offer to each other. I think if we remember this, we 
can not just drive ourselves and drive ourselves and drive ourselves to the point of exhaustion and estrangement from ourselves and from each other. And we will, in fact, recast in healthier ways some of the words that we hear so often, especially when we hear about our kids, like the word resilience, grit, you know, toughen up, get through. Well, I read something in Harvard Business Review, like not a place I go very often, but it showed up in my Facebook feed this past week, and I loved it. I love the title of it from the Harvard Business Review. It lays it right out there. Resilience is about how you recharge, not how much you can endure. (laughs) Resilience is about how you recharge, not how much you can endure. What a beautiful understanding of resilience and recharging. And what spiritual community can do and what all the relationships that offer us the circle of security all throughout our lives can do. It reminds me of the great words from Martin Seligman, the professor of positive psychology, in which he encourages all of us to both build and then to be able to fall back into strong spiritual furniture. So we can rest. So then we can go back out into the world that is always changing and growing And is difficult enough without us expecting to make it more difficult. Resilience is about refuge. And where we can rest. And I remember, especially on these days, this day, when we bless this child and this family and we bless ourselves. These words. It's not our job to toughen our children up to face a cruel and heartless world. It's our job to raise children who will make the world a little less cruel and heartless. This is part of what Dr. King encouraged us. None of us can do this work individually. We can only do it together. And so I hope that in this week when some of us are going to be offering service in the name of Dr. King, not as a symbol, but as someone who stands for teachings that can change our lives. For some of us in Yesterman Wellsprings as well, too, who will be going and standing and marching at the Women's March this coming Saturday. And yes, if you want to go together, we're not actually going together. I was corrected at this, at the 930 service. We will meet down there, but take a look at your Wellsprings weekly this week. It is wonderful to be able to be together in the midst of this action that speaks of a different, better, deeper, more loving way of living. So I would ask only this, whatever your actions today, service, marching, none of the above, something different, just going through your day, your average, ordinary day, how can you offer refuge? How can you be a refuge? How can you be a source for trust and belonging and safety? Because, of course, we already know this, and I don't need to say it, but I will. The world is scary enough and challenging enough. It needs us. It needs our refuge, our strength to love, our kindness, and our compassion. Amen, my friends. May you live in blessing. Would you pray with me? Oh, divine, that we breathe in and we breathe out. May we remember that uh, connection is not really something that we're creating. It's something that already is. All that we can do is live our lives in accord and in alignment with the connection that is already here and seek through our actions, our words, our very presence of our being to make that connection more real, more strong, 
May we remember as we breathe each day we are alive. That life is already so tough for so many of us. May we be among those who bring into life even more belonging, goodness, and love. Amen.